Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including The Dragon Prince, which we'll be getting into right now. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by April Collins. Hello. John McKenna. Hi, everybody. And Sarah Dolman. Hello. Yes, The Dragon Prince has finally arrived on Netflix uh, this Friday, and we have binged all of season one, nine episodes, and we'll be getting into the entire season here on this podcast. We've been very excited to get into The Dragon Prince. Um, this is a new uh, fantasy show by uh, Aaron Ehas, Justin Richmond, Giancarlo Volpe also, um, executive producing on it, and... Uh, it's a uh, very Avatar The Last Airbender type show by uh, uh, by Aaron and Giancarlo who were on uh, Who Made Avatar and uh, going to get into everything about the show. If you've not seen it yet, we're going to start with the non-spoiler section here. So um, you can check out our thoughts before you decide whether you want to check it out, although only nine episodes, not a huge uh, watching investment. Um, and then we'll be getting into spoilers from throughout the entire season of The Dragon Prince Season 1. Um, so yeah, we're the Overly Animated Podcast. Talk out a bunch of animated shows and movies. Check us out at OverlyAnimated.com. Um, you can find us on iTunes, search for Overly Animated there, or on our YouTube, YouTube.com slash Overly Animated. Um, so yes, new show, The Dragon Prince. Um, we're gonna, no idea what anyone thinks about this. We're gonna get everyone's initial takes here. We've just, uh, finished binging it this weekend. So let's start with some non-spoiler thoughts. April, what did you think of all of season one in general of The Dragon Prince? I thought it was a very, like, interesting setup for what could be a really awesome show. Um, it had some really good moments. There was, like, some slow moments for me. Um, but other than that, like, I thought some of the characters were really interesting. Um, a lot of the, like, concepts, of, of course, I love, like, magic shows. So um, this was very, like, up my alley. Um, and dragons, uh, hello. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I thought it was interesting. It was a really interesting start. Um, and that's all that I can really say without spoiling things. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's 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 fine. No, 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 brief thoughts here in the non-spoiler section. Um, yeah, an interesting start says April. Uh, John, what did you think of season one? Um, it was a really fun show. Uh, um, if you're a Last Airbender fan, it's going to sound a lot of it's going to sound very familiar to you in more ways than one for sure. Um, you know the uh, characters were very compelling. I thought a lot of them were really well acted. Uh, again, sort of what April said, it is building up to something that could be that could be really good, which I think, which I thought was a really interesting risk that they took to have this be a big build-up season rather than have it be like a sort of kind of sort of self-contained unit like a lot of season ones in in the past have had. Uh, but you know, nine episodes it moved along pretty quickly. It uh, and I actually do. I actually am kind of interested in season two, which, if that's the goal, they succeeded. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this is going. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, Sarah, uh, what do you, what did you think of season one? Yeah. So I thought I would give my sort of background with this show. I went in pretty hype for it, not only because of the creators, but also because I went to the the panel they did at Fan Expo Canada um, on the first of September, um, and so I got to see the first episode um, in advance, and I got to like you know um, uh, participate and listen to a Q and A um, with some of the creators, um, and that got me feeling pretty excited because I really liked the first episode, and I felt like wow, this is, this sounds like it's going to be really great. And overall, like similar to April and John, I really liked it as an introduction 
Um, but I'm really hoping in the sort of upcoming seasons, hopefully we'll be getting, um, to get more deeper with the characters. Um, I don't typically find my, find myself um, getting super attached to characters in only the first season, and it was only nine episodes. So I'm really hoping to get more from them in terms of that. Um, but I also I liked that it wasn't too serious of a fantasy show because sometimes that can get really bogged down by all the mythology. It definitely had sort of a lightness to it, uh, humor, uh, which, you know, sometimes worked for me, sometimes didn't. Um, but I found myself getting really immersed in the show in general um, and and. You know, sometimes it was more engaging than others, but overall I did like it. I would say other non-spoiler thoughts are that the music is one of my favorite parts of the show. It is so gorgeous. And also the backgrounds are stunning. Like, this is just such a pretty show to watch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I really agree with that. The backgrounds and the music, I think, in particular stand out. Um, and we'll get into the animation, which has been much, uh, talked about. I will get into that a little <laughs> bit later. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, this, I think this first season was very impressive of the Dragon Prince. Um, you know, high expectations for the show, but considering some of the people involved in it. Um, and I do think it, re- it delivered. Um, you know, only nine episodes. Um, and it's a first season. We've covered a lot of first seasons here on this podcast, and it's always kind of the same refrain. I say, uh, like, no first season is really excellent of any show. Um, um, like keep your expectations in check, um, like especially like early episodes. And this was only nine episodes compared to a lot of shows just have a lot more. Um, but even even given that, I think we've uh, especially by the end of the season, we got to a place that was really engaging um, and fun. I think the characters are are better than I, I expected um, early on. I think they're they're all really sympathetic. And uh, that's that that's uh, a thing, a big important point here. The the fantasy world is immersive. Um, the, the episodes themselves are like maybe more in the good, not great range right now, but, um, you know, considering we're, we're early on in the show, I think it's, uh, absolutely acceptable. And I think we even get to some pretty great episodes later on in the season. So, um, I was, uh, overall very impressed with Dragon Prince season one. I think maybe the biggest thing is, um, this show, I think ended up capturing a sense of fun to enough of an extent that Avatar had that uh really elevates it beyond some of the other attempted avatar clones that we've gotten um since since avatars ended um i wonder what you're talking about dylan right so voltron uh, (laughs) is a show that has that has not had uh as much success although it's an excellent show and it's not dragon prince not as good as voltron yet but it it, i think early on it's it's more successful in capturing avatar's sense of fun maybe even dragon prince these nine episodes more successful than korra early on in capturing avatar's sense of fun i think korra definitely gets there by books three and four obviously but i mean core is going for a more grittier thing in book one um but uh like they they, each the likableness of the characters the uh you know the the banter that they're having um while it's not like necessarily um like super complex narrative or anything yet i think like the biggest thing for me is that the show like i think understands like what made avatar successful with this um fun and heart that that it had and it is attempting to replicate it and has succeeded to enough of an extent um where i'm like very bullish on on the show's future here uh so like that, that that's like a huge thing for me because we we've seen a lot of uh, these fantasy shows like you can get bogged too down in the fantasy mythology the show had like a, has like a pretty extended fantasy intro um establishing all of the the world and how magic works and uh it's it was a little bit worrying for me that we'd be too much into the into the high fantasy but i think that that did not happen i think that we uh, really did uh, focus on on the characters and uh, and uh, their dynamics. So uh, big big success, I think, uh, early on in the Dragon Prince. 
Um, okay, so I think I think we can move into to spoilers here. Um, honestly, not not too not too much. So you you could be fine, but uh, definitely recommend watching the entirety of the season. Only nine episodes. Check it out on Netflix now. Um, but yeah, spoilers for all of season Prince of the Dra- season one of the Dragon Prince starting now. So get out if you've not watched yet. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. Okay. But uh, April, what do you think of uh, what I said in? the uh the sense of the fun fun that the show captures do you do you agree do you think uh that uh do you think that uh you, you got you got this this sense of fun from the show uh later on uh, later on in the season early on in the season what was your experience like watching it um no i agree there's definitely like a sense of fun and it's funny because i don't know where in my brain when i like before i started watching it i forgot that like that you know like it's coming from like avatar essentially and so i was just like man this show is like watching avatar then i was like oh wait i got it so that was my uh that was my april moment while watching the show but no like it it really does like there's a lot of like humor and some of it i guess maybe because like i'm older that i was just like oh i can't believe like we just made that joke but like i was like oh but you know it's still fun and even though like there's like stakes going on and like everything's um I guess take, taking place, it, it 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 was like I enjoyed some of the jokes, even though they were very like um, I don't want to say like lowbrow, but they were very like like down there. I was like, haha, that's funny. Like, okay, I didn't think we were gonna make this joke, and then some of them like they set up so perfectly. I was just like, I was like, I know what this joke's gonna be like, and then it, they made it, and I was like, I still enjoyed it, which was great. So I like whenever I can still enjoy the humor that's going on. Um, in it. There was like one joke though, um, in like a later episode, and it was like a fart joke between Claudia <laughs> and so and Soren. And I was like, uh, I was like, I can't believe we just made that joke. Like that was the the only joke that I was I was not abused with. That was <laughs> the Claudia I, farting was your least favorite one. I yes. I, I liked it, honestly. I, really did. I, I, I agree with April. I was like, really? We made a fart joke. We're going there. Okay. <laughs> regards to the horses, too. I was like, uh. <laughs> I, I, th- I think we've been very anti-fart joke throughout this podcast history, but I think this might be the best one considering it's like subverting gender roles. Like that's the kind yeah. of the intent of it, I guess. Um, yeah. So, that, so that's nice, but it's still a fart joke. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's like when you have that one female friend who like lets out a giant belch when you're sitting watching a game. You're like. Dang, that was awesome, girl. Yeah, that's definitely what they're going for. Yeah, uh, John, what would you what would you highlight as maybe the strongest element of the show? Could be a character, could be a uh, like uh, just characterization or fantasy or an episode. Like, what do you think stands out to you looking back? I actually loved the character interactions with between uh, Cap, Calum, uh, Rayla, and Ezra, and I thought that was maybe the best part because there's not really a main character yet in this in this show. It's more of an ensemble thing, but I loved how they all played off each other and they played off each other extremely well like you could like you got the sense of the tension because you know kaelm and ezra know how much they hate they hate elves they know like they're supposed to be the enemy of the whole the whole show and you could see that sort of trust fact like they they liked each other they were getting along fine but it was still like can we really trust her with the egg do we really know everything about her like why is she why did she invade the castle and i like how that sort of it wasn't constantly brought up, but you knew it was an undercurrent, and the and how the interactions grew and improved from there, I think, really helped out a lot. And it was all believable too. You wouldn't, I mean, they wouldn't start off being like friends right away. You knew there would be sort of elements of trust issues. It, and I thought that it was, and the way they worked through it, they were the way they sort of the way they had all these different scenarios played out. I think it actually worked. 
extremely well. And having that interaction made it made it endearing and made it engrossing throughout the whole, the whole throughout the series. Nice. Yeah, that's something we definitely focus on, especially in like episode eight. Um, but 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 throughout, you know, you have the mistrust uh, early on and then that definitely dissipates and they're all like uh, really on the same page once we get into the seven to nine arc. Um, Sarah, how about uh, picking a favorite character? We can get we can get into that as, as we're talking about all the characters here. Who's your who's your fave through nine episodes? I, I thought about this beforehand and I decided that it's Amaya. I okay. thought she was just awesome. Mm. Um, yes. And the, like, the, the, scene, <laughs> the scene where she's like signing to the statue of her sister, I thought it was just such an incredible moment where you were like, you can get that sense of emotion through her signing and her facial expressions. Like it's like, you know, all those emotions without having to hear words spoken out loud. Um, I thought it was just really powerful. And and otherwise I thought she was just a really great, great character. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that scene of her, her signing to the the statue, I think is one of the best of, of the season. Um, we'll, we'll get into Amaya more. I'm sure she's a, a general favorite um, in the in the supporting cast. Uh, April, how about you? Pick a pick a fave character. Oh, do I have to pick a different character? <laughs> yes, yeah, you can't my... you can't pick the one you pick. pick it's Rick one. and Morty panel rules. Yeah. Oh no. Um. Cause yeah. Um. I really liked uh, Ezrin because he's like the cute little kid and he's the half brother and he just wants to make everything right. And I really think that's a, like adorable. And, um, you know, he had a lot of the humor, but he was like, he understood like the seriousness of what was going on and everything like that. And then I just really liked his, I guess, role in the, the ensemble as well. Um, you know, cause he's going to, he's going to be the one who's prone to see, you know, the good in Raylo where Kayla may not. And, you know, he, is you know the one carrying the egg and caring for it more or less which is seems inter- it's interesting that like given Kalem's character that he would allow Ezrin to do that but um but I I don't I I that would be my favorite character um outside of uh General Amaya so two two Amaya fans but yeah Ezrin okay interesting pick there John mm-hmm. how about you who's your favorite I can't believe no one hit the obvious answer bait Bait? Oh, Bates the obvious answer. <laughs> oh, I didn't know we were really doing Rick and rules. <laughs> no, no, well, someone, no. Please, uh, please discuss your love of Bait. Yeah, Bait is a great glow frog. Uh, I did. Love <laughs> Have you seen it. other glow frogs to compare Bait to? Mm, no, but among all the animated tiny creatures that are somewhat relevant to plots, I think he might be one of my favorites. Um, so I liked, I just liked how he, I liked how they used him a lot, just how they, he glowed and all, like how he glowed depending on his mood. And they actually kept that going throughout. Like even when it wasn't, he wasn't in the focus, you could see the colors just sh- shading away. He always had a constant unamused face, um, throughout the whole thing. So I just, I just, for some reason, I always got a chuckle whenever he was on camera. I'm not sure why it was, I liked how they got a lot of emotion out of him without really having to animate him an awful lot. Though, if I was to give a real serious answer, I'd have to go with, like, Rayla. Okay, bait, yes. Uh, good <laughs> good choice. Uh, yeah, the grump, grumpy toad, right, is what we're going for with, with bait here. Um, yeah. is our, he's our animal companion. Yeah, I think Ray, Rayla's the, I think, is the obvious answer to, to this question. I'm surprised she's not picked. <laughs> um, I think Rayla's the standout character of season one, for sure. Um, she's uh, She gets, like, the widest range. Um, she's, the, she's like, a, a subversion of the female of the group in that she's, like, the warrior, the, the incredible one. And then she also is... Uh, 
you know, she also just like, she has these like wacky moments. She has these like really serious moments. She's dealing with like the binding on her hands. Um, I think, I think Rayla really excellent, excellent characterization throughout the season and gets great moments with everyone. Um, maybe, maybe even I would point, point to her as the strongest element of the show so far, even I'd go so far as to say that. Um, also my fave, uh, other than Rayla is Ellis, uh, who we get in, in uh, episode <laughs> seven to nine. Um, well, we can talk, we can talk more about, uh, her and, uh, everyone else later in the supporting cast. But yeah, let's get into, get into all these characters. Callum, um, our main character, if we're gonna say, uh, we have a main character, although yeah, maybe more of an ensemble voiced by Jack DeSena. Um, definitely a, uh, departure relative to Sokka for, for Jack DeSena. He's, uh, Callum, more of, I think he's just like a sweetheart, like, uh, just like a, a normal, uh, kid, like, he's uh, so de- innocent. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not the uh, sarcastic. He, I think you reference like not even dry at some point. We could get that dialogue too, but um, not not as, as sarcastic as previously. But yeah, April, what did you think of Callum? I thought he was all right. I think it was an interesting choice to make him kind of the character who's like very doubtful of themselves and kind of like needs that pick me up. I know he had that sort of um, touching moment with Rayla early on. I can't remember what episode where he, you know, he was, he explains to her, like, I was so excited when you called me a mage because I'm not really good at anything. And um, I thought that was very relatable. Um, And I think he was the good choice to kind of give that characterization to uh, specifically because it, if I guess if he there is going to be a main character, it's going to be him. Um, even though again, it's more of an ensemble. Um, so I thought that moment for him was very good, and it kind of helps. Um, and for it was good for him to have that moment early on too, because it kind of helps sort of like put you in the mood of him or in the mood of his character as we continued forward and where we went with him. Um, and I like that he's kind of like he was sort of growing into like the mage kind of role, um, even though like. You know, even then he was just like, I'm not a mage, like I'm not anybody. I'm just like the, the you know, the half brother or whatever. Um, so I, I thought I thought he was all right. Um, I'd like to see him, I guess, be more confident, especially if he's going to be the mage. And because he's also the older brother. So I expected him to have more of that, like older brother type of role. Um, and Maybe, like, I might have missed it, but it seemed to sort of fall short for me. Like, you're supposed to be taking care of your younger brother, and, like, your younger brother's running around doing whatever with a dragon egg. So, (laughs) 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 like, you're supposed to be responsible. Why aren't you more responsible? (laughs) But, uh, but no, I... I liked him. Um, again, he's not my like most favorite character, but it would be it'll be nice to see what they do with him going forward. Like, is he going to become more of a mage? Um, that kind of seems to be the role that we're pl- like put- plugging him into. Nice, um, Sarah. What do you think of Ka- uh, Callum? And was he what you expected? Um, I I think I I think he was more or less what I expected. Um, although I didn't really have a lot of expectations in, in particular um, for him. I, I, I sort of, I was really interested from episode one, the sort of the struggle that he has in terms of like, who is, who is he? Like, you know, um, is he a prince or is he a step prince? Um, and having that lack of belonging because he really wants to go out and be a part of the group that's going out to attack the the elf assassins but he's turned away and he's struggling with that and I was like oh this could could get really interesting 
And then after a few episodes, I realized that I was getting a little bit bored with Callum's struggle for identity. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I think maybe I just had trouble sort of connecting to him. But then it kind of picked back up again once he started to um, try out, you know, the different um, spells and having those more conversations. Like I really liked, I think it was um, chapter eight when they're having those like heart to hearts mm-hmm. about about like, you know, I, um, you know, being um, open about, you know, how he's feeling about the whole magic situation. Um, I don't know. I think I think I'm, I'm open to seeing where they go with Callum's character, but I didn't feel a lot of emotional connection to him consistently, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that def- definitely makes sense. John, what about you? Did you were you uh, connecting to Callum throughout the season? I was, um, and I actually kind of liked how, and yeah, I felt the big brother aspect between him and Ezrin actually did come through. Yeah, he, you know, he he was taking care of him. He was trying, he sort of was helping him through through it off, like saying, you know, hurry up and get packed or else I will help, or else I'm going to come in and help you. He, I mean, he, there was that element of he would doubt his younger brother when he said like, you know, oh, the animals talk to me, but what's what a big brother does like how would you believe that even in this universe so there was definitely that you could tell he does care does care about Ezrin he does look out for him and even though he's not you know he's you know they're half brothers he did he's basically essentially his big brother he is looking out for me is caring for him as Callum is the main character I felt like they were building uh, they were building up to that in the first season I agree uh the first episode I meant but I think then he started to fall back to the to the ensemble a little bit. I'm not entirely convinced he's going to be the main focus going forward because I'm trying to figure out what would he be the main fo- what would make him the main focus because Ezrin has the egg, uh, Rayla has the sword slashing ability. Caleb is becoming a mage, but he only knows like two spells. So and the only way he knows the two spells is because of the orb, and the orb is now gone. So can he still even do them? That's the question. Uh, I think there is like there is going to be definitely a big role for him i think he is going to continue to be that big brother influence that sort of quote-unquote leader of the pack though even that's a little up in the air but it's going to be weird now to see him like how does he become a mage without his without the sky orb which he used to do all his abilities we don't know if he can do that without it or not yeah it's, it's a good point that uh, i think what you're driving at callum isn't the chosen one main character that you typically see for this type of show there's nothing that he's not like he's not even the crown prince like he's he's just kind of just a, a guy um and he's, he's not he's not in line to the throne yeah like, like to the extent where he's any his whole arc is like um him not having anything special about him um and uh he's he, you're right he is this he just has the uh the orb, the uh, that he uses to the primal stone that he uses to cast this, the and then spells, he smashes right? it. Which, and I'm sure, and, you know, I'm sure we're going to the fact that he's a natural mage after that. He can, he'll be able to cast without it. Um, but uh, you know, I guess he has the uh, cube thing. Um, that's still a thing. Like that might be some sort of chosen one type of type thing. And he's still like the one that can cast magic of of the bunch. But um, yeah, I think it's an interesting decision to not make him the chosen one, not make him like super good at anything. Very much a contrast from Aang. 
Um, but what I love about Callum is that they captured Aang's, um, like, uh, nice, niceness. Um, like, I was worried that this would, um, you know, be too edgy of a character. That's sometimes where we go with these male leads, but he's not edgy at all. He's just, like, a sweet, uh, like, a 14-year-old boy. And I really like Callum. Um, I'm very, I'm very happy with how he was, uh, portrayed throughout the season. And, uh, it's, he's largely sympathetic to me, which is sometimes a struggle with male leads, um, in Ninja. So, um, I do think there's a little bit of main characteritis with him where the he's he, he ends up being boring where the people around him may be more interesting but he there's also some interesting aspects of him and i don't think the main characteritis like took over to any sort of large extent so i'm, I'm very happy with callum so far um rayla I, I already got into her a little bit i feel like rayla's gotten the if callum was sidelined a little bit i feel like it was for rayla um largely mm. throughout this season and yeah. Um, yeah yeah april what do you think of rayla i thought i liked her um I- Again, it's an interesting choice because she was also very, she had like her, like she doubted herself kind of moments. And so I can see where her and Calum sort of play off. But of the two, she's much more interesting simply because she is, I guess, the odd man out being a moon shadow elf. Um, and then I I liked her, her like personal struggle where she was there to kill Ezrin and then she doesn't do that. And so her kind of dealing with the consequences of that, you know, and then it, it was, uh, I liked the like parallel, well, not parallel, but where, how like her arm was sort of dying. And then the other moon shadow elf, his arm was having the same effect. So I thought that was kind of like interesting. So it's kind of one of those like, Oh, like you're, you're struggling alone, but you're not struggling alone kind of thing. Cause someone else is going through that same, uh, like, str- uh, whatever situation but i liked her well, i liked had the, bigger bigger things to worry about than yeah let's put that was <laughs> coin yeah <laughs> bigger things to worry about but um but no i liked i liked that and i also liked that she kind of wasn't um i like her being the like outsider kind of being thrown into into it um where she didn't necessarily understand maybe like the human things or what's going on i liked that she was sarcastic <laughs> um so Always, always enjoy a good sarcastic character. Um, and what is it? She had that whole bit about irony, too, um, which I thought was great. She was like, no, it would be irony if uh, or ironic if the monster like came up behind us or something like that. And then it did. And I was like, oh, gosh, like this is great. Um, but no, I really liked her. And I, um, I I look forward to seeing her character grow, like of the like, I guess of the ensemble, I know hers is going to be the more, the more interesting, um, like character development as we continue forward. Um, given that we're getting close, I guess, to the border and she's a moon shadow elf and she's bringing all these humans along with her. So, um, I'd like to get to know her more too. Um, we kind of touched on her family. Um, and I guess her, her parents were supposed to protect the, um, the dragon King, yeah, and then I guess they failed in that mission, and so she's dealing with the consequences of that. So I'd like to see her interact more with other Moonshadow Elves. Um, that way we can get a better sense of who she is and how where she fits in with her society. Nice. Yeah, I got a, a small amount of that in the beginning of the show, but none since then. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sarah, a brief Rayla thoughts. Yeah, I really like Rayla. I think she was a really sympathetic character for sure. I... I, um, the, I I definitely recognize the sort of parallel um, between her sort of struggle to figure out who she is and where she belongs with Callum's, but I thought I, I liked her side of it a little bit more. Um, and she was, I, I liked her sort of 
the fun side to her also, like where she's pretending to be a human and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to seeing like where her character goes and getting even more more depth to her. Nice. Okay, uh, John. Oh yeah, I loved her. Uh, this, you know, it's because she she starts off as this the the one the first thing that reminded me of, and it's going to be cheesy. It's like uh, Finn from uh, Star Wars. Like she's basically that character, you know, assassin elf. You know, hesit- hesitates at the moment, meaning she's not the cruel, heartless killer she was trained to be, and winds up making friends with her enemy. So easy enough, tr- easy enough trope to land. But I think she made it work, though. I mean, she was still like she you could tell she was serious, but she had this great sort of but she was also really funny, like especially when they asked why she wouldn't want to get into the boat to go down the river. I like I liked her line. River. She's like. There's no secret reason for that. And it's like you can tell she's still trying to be tough, but she doesn't want to admit that she's afraid of the water. So and when when she finally did overcome her fear for at least at least a little bit, it made her more humanizing the way the sort of physical comedy they had with her was really funny, like how her hair spiked up when uh, Callum tossed the orb to her. Uh, She really became like she really warmed up. She's still she really warmed up. She had just great interaction. She is hilarious. Like she had some great great funny moments as well that just sort of fit in with the situation that weren't really one-liners uh and also her design is really lovely too like she's probably the most interesting character design of the bunch so yeah i I really liked her scenes i don't understand why she's scottish but we can get to that a little later because elves are foreign and stuff right Um, her 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 human her human impression was great hey fellow humans let's talk about complaining about the that's, that's well, do you know what's really interesting about that? You know what's really interesting about that is that like the voice actress, like she has like a uh, like American accent, um, and so like she, so she's doing a fake Scottish, I guess, accent, um, and so then she is doing a fake Scottish accent, pretending to do uh, like American accent. <laughs> so like that's, <laughs> that's, that's just a skill. Nice. That's actually uh, pretty impressive. That's complicated. <laughs> yeah, I like the the Finn comparisons with Rayla. I think that's a good call. And yeah, I think the Moonshadow Elves look look really great. Um, yeah, I think Rayla. I think what's interesting is that she's kind of the brooding character of the bunch. Like, uh, and and she's the she's the girl, which is an uh, interesting on its own. But also, we get to see this playful side of her. I think like she's a lot more interesting when we see when she's being playful than when she's uh, more brooding with the hand and um, with her struggle as being an elf. Although seeing all aspects of that are really are really nice too. I think she. I think her best episode is episode seven where we get to see her mm. human impression and the snow elf and uh she, she's just really excellent there um and i think she like got better as the season went on too just really the standout for me um yeah, she, she was broody but she, but they didn't keep her broody for the whole time which like they actually did give her some more depth to just that though yeah i agree um yeah i think yeah. the broodiness is more acceptable if it, yeah if it's if it's a, an element compared to with uh with a bunch of other things going on too which definitely was the case here um ezra and april already uh, talked about how she she likes um ezra and sarah were you were you a fan of ezra in here yeah i thought he was really um he was a really sweet um little character and um yeah i just i i, I enjoyed his presence in the show i don't really have anything particular to say <laughs> Um, yeah, I get for me. All about how about this for Desmond? I think this character is usually um, the annoying kid, 
And Ezrin was more the sweet kid, which I thought was a good call in keeping him really sympathetic. Um, like he was, uh, he was smart. Um, he was, uh, sympathetic throughout. He had a lot of lines that are like, oh, but, uh, you know, like compare, compare this <laughs> to a, uh, over the garden wall, which I think he had, he also has a pet frog and kind of is the same character. Um, I think, um, from the kid from over the garden wall. Yeah. He's, uh, I think that, that type of character is usually annoying. I think, uh, Ezrin is definitely like, they want to keep him sympathetic and he's just like a sweet kid. Um, John Pro Ezrin. He's so innocent too. So <laughs> like, it's like you get again. And also it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I agree. I agree. He could have been the annoying kid, but he never really was annoying though. That's the weird thing. Like he, you know, why I enjoyed him so much. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, okay, he's mischief. He's, he's a bit mischievous because he stole all the jelly tarts slash hammer and slash whatever. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's like he kind of understood. He at least understood the gravity of the situation that they were in. Usually, when they go for the annoying kid trope, he like you might get the scene where it's like he's sort of like doing weird, silly dances in a minefield, sort of. But I think he understood the gravity of the situation. It kept him grounded as grounded as a character. Like he was still sweet, he was still innocent, but he wasn't oblivious. Like he sort of he knew what was going on. He understood how important what they're what they're doing is he knew how important it was to like get away from the castle too so he so like he they kept him within a nice framework that made him really enjoyable yeah yeah uh it is it's oh, if I could add, yes uh yeah i just i just want to say that like i i generally like i liked him throughout but when it when he really stood out to me was in the sort of one of the later episodes where he reveals that he can um like communicate or understand animals. I think that was when his character really stood out for me because then we got to see like that sort of struggle that he's been going through and hiding. Um, that's the part that I, I, when I started to really, really like Ezrin. Yeah. It's an interesting wrinkle for his character. We just got that in the last episode. So we'll see, we'll see how that plays out. And apparently um, Callum's known about that. And uh, I think, I think it helps explain like why he's got the, why he carries around a, a frog. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's, it all, it also like, it's like he, in seven, he's talking to the horse. I think it like makes a lot of sense looking back. Um, not like talking, but he like, he's like understanding uh, the horse. Um, so yeah, uh, Ezra, like, yeah, shockingly not annoying for being a kid and like a sweetheart. So I think that's great. Um, Bates. Yep. Okay. We talked about Bates. Yay. <laughs> we all love bait. I've got my bait plushie on the way from Hot Topic. It's, it's, it's already, it's already, it's already there. Where's <laughs> we'll the bait emoji? Yeah, we'll Is get that the bait emoji. A real thing? Yes, have. it's a real thing. It's there oh, already. No. Gotta look it up. Um, there's also a shirt that has like the different moods of bait on it, and it explains the different colors he is. <laughs> there are, oh, that's so good. They're already marketing all, all, yeah, all these bait aspects. Um, Claudia. Okay, so Claudia and Soren, um, the uh, the other kids, I guess, and the the secondary kids, and they um, maybe end up being uh bad guys question mark um april what was your read on them as the as the season went on in claudia and soren and uh, did you view them sympathetically um i mean yes and no because i get that they both i guess want to make their dad proud or whatever but i was sort of i guess disappointed in them because i was like oh these characters could be very interesting and then we didn't really do too much with them i understand that they each have their own um I guess, like, struggle where Soren's expected to kill the princes and then Claudia is expected to simply recover the egg um, at 
at any cost. And so I guess it was nice that they kind of had um, motivations or they have goals, I guess, that they're trying to obtain um, at their father's request. Um, But other than that, like, I didn't get a whole lot out of them. And like, even like, what is it? We already talked about how she had the one joke and I didn't like that sort of fell short for me. And, and even when she was, I guess, trying to please her brother, because if it comes down to it, she's going to let him die. Um, even then, like, I was just like, Oh, like, I guess we're doing this and I guess we need to know what they're doing so that we can understand where like our characters like role or what stakes are, you know, hiding for, for them. But I don't, I don't know. Like I just wasn't as into them. Like I thought, I thought we were going to do something with Claudia, especially cause she's one of the only female characters. Um, and then we didn't really do anything with her. So it was very disappointing for me, for her. Like I get that she's powerful and she's a mage and that's nice and all, but we didn't like, that's it. That's who she is. And then she makes jokes with her brother at the end and she might have to let him die. But I wanted, I, I wanted more from her given the fact that, there are so few female characters in this show. And then for her to just kind of like do nothing um, was just disappointing for me. And then Soren just ended up being very like blank as a male character. He was kind of like, oh, yeah, I have to go do this thing. And even then, like his internal struggle wasn't any wasn't much of anything. He's just like, oh, I guess I, I might have to kill the princess. I don't know if I could do that. And that's that's where it fell short. <laughs> we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get into that too much for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sarah, Sarah, what do you think of that? Uh, is is Claudia underutilized the season? And what about uh, Claudia and Soren in general in the season? Yeah, I was really hoping for more from Claudia. I thought I know I thought she was you know a fun quirky character a lot of the time, and I like I enjoyed her moments, but definitely we didn't really get a lot of as much depth as I would have liked um, as it was kind of like a theme, I guess, of like how I felt about a lot of the characters. Um, I, one thing I thought was kind of interesting was, you know, how she used dark magic, but like not necessarily in a like evil kind of way. And I mean, we might talk about more about dark magic later, but I think, you know, she was tr- she was doing doing those spells to try and like save Calum and Ezrin, and so like it, I think it kind of adds some complexity to both mo- both like the mythology and the character, where it's kind of like you know she's doing something that's like maybe considered like amoral or not morally good, but she also like you know cares and like also is doing it in, with a it, with like moral reasoning in mind. Um, and then in terms of Claudia and Soren, uh, yeah, their dynamic was, it was fun, but it wasn't as strong as, like, the Callum, Rayla, Ezrin dynamic, I felt. All right. Um, I see. Uh, John, what do you think of, uh, Claudia and Soren in general? It's really hard to see them, honestly, as villains, because they really don't come off that way. Like, yeah, Viren is the evil one of, of the bunch. He's the one that wants the throne. He wants the Princess Zed. He wants the dragon egg for whatever crazy crazy magic experiment he wants to do but really i don't see claudia or soren carrying out their mission here because when you say soren's relationship with callum it's not particularly venomous really all that much yeah he calls him a step prince a lot and that's a bit of a that's a bit a, a tad harsh but it's not but it's you could see there was like a little bit of playfulness in there there was still a little bit of uh i don't want to say big brother like but also like sort of like the 18 year old kid and like a 10 year old kid like that sort of dynamic a little bit there. Um, as far as Claudia is concerned, again, she's still too nice, honestly. Like, 
it's really difficult to see them as villains. Like the chemistry between the two of them is very good. It is it can it's a little corny at times, like when Claudia was like laughing on the verge of crying over his catalyst mountain joke. I was like, okay, that's a little uh little bit a little much over there. The top. <laughs> yeah, it's like good good chuckle, you know, like golf clap, but it's not that funny there. Um but I mean the chemistry was all the chemistry was all right. They had a they had a nice comedic they had good comedic timing when she's going to get all the magical elements and Soren's like trying to squeeze through that crack in the in the mountain. But as far as them being like the main antagonists in this in the show is concerned, I really am having a hard time seeing how you build that up because there really just isn't much there to suggest that. Um, yeah, I, I, speaking of that, uh, the Catalyst Mountain, I thought that was a great interaction between the two, the, the mountain joke that, that, that they had going. I thought that really displayed Claudia's, uh, quirkiness and what she had going. I think, I think Claudia was a really successful character this season. I agree she didn't have a ton to do, but, um, her, like, uh, personality jumps out as, as unique among the cast. I think her voice in particular is really incredible. Um, and, uh, it is really interesting that she's, like, casting this dark magic. She has these, like, dark eyes, but is, clearly portrayed sympathetically um soren's a little like closer to the unsympathetic portrayal but i think you were also supposed to like him so yeah these these guys are like the they're the ones that tracking um our heroes but um they're they're not the villains i think that's clear i think they're not gonna kill them i think that they're gonna like uh ultimately make maybe join the party or at least uh cooperate with them so um, that's going to be an interesting thing to to track moving forward, and um, I, th- I think these are uh, characters with a lot of potential. Soren Soren um, doesn't have a lot going on. Uh, you know, we need some more. I think some more aspects for Soren specifically. Uh, I think there's enough there with Claudia already. Yet she she honestly stands out uh, among the supporting cast for me. Um, Alice and uh, Ava uh, join the crew in uh, seven to nine in that arc at the end with the mountain. And, uh, unclear whether, um, Alice could be a fourth party member moving forward. Um, like we end the, the episode with her on the team, but, um, is, is she a temporary? Do you know, is she, is she just the, the NPC joining us for, for this one quest or is she, <laughs> or, or, or is, is she a permanent fixture here? We do need a second girl on the team. Uh, April, what was your read on that? I have a feeling she's going to be like the the NPC who joined us temporarily <laughs> and then like like I I I can't imagine that she's going to be coming along with us. I think it would be great if she did. I think she would be sort of that nice um it would sort of round out the party kind of a little bit. You know, we've got the two guys, the two girls, too older, too younger kind mm-hmm. of situation. Um, so I guess it would bring balance in that sense. Um, plus give Ezrin like a nice little um, companion, though. Um, I don't see that necessarily happening because we'll have Zim, who's... Um, Zim! I know. <laughs> um Who could also fulfill that role of like Ezrin's like tiny companion. Um <laughs> So I I think it would be nice. I just don't see her joining us. She was very sweet, though. I really liked and I, I appreciated that she was like very willing to help them. Um, again, a, another like nice, innocent character with only good intentions, um, you know, sort of not just risking herself, but Ava as well to help them, you know, heal the dragon egg and uh, all of that. So I thought that was very nice that she was very helpful, but I don't see her coming along with us, unfortunately. 
Yeah, I think the argument would be that it does, she she rounds out the party um, potential ship for Ezrin um, if you want to do the adorable kid ship. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it's always, always a crowd pleaser. Um, yeah, I, I, I love Alice though. I think that she's like a really standout um, supporting character in in the latter half. It really elevates. I think that the last episodes, Ava, like she's just she's just an adorable girl riding around on a giant dog. Like that's always a winner. Um, like we have <laughs> with that in Craig of the Creek uh, this year, episode Wilderness. It's like the exact same character. Um, <laughs> um, which is great um but yeah Alice uh definitely my I think my favorite now and uh, she's like just she's just really like fearless like that's like the only uh like one of the only traits for her and she's just like always she climbed like, a like, mountain for her dog come yeah. on now <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the things we do with Ava we'll get I think we'll get to this more in a little bit but the, the thing the the fourth leg with Ava I think is fantastic um everything we do with that um so yeah we'll we'll, we'll see about Alice but uh, that's that's another sporting character that really stands out to me um how about Viren our uh our our villain of the of the season he ends up being um inter- interested to see people's takes on Viren. John, well, wh- how do you think he was used this season? In the beginning I liked it because he was definitely kind of using his relationship with King Harrow like saying you're my brother, you're my friend and you could tell and he was I think I felt like he was genuinely trying to save his life but his big but I think what really started to set him off was a little bit off was when Harrow asked, would you do that for me? And he's like, uh, uh, oh. So it's like he's he's definitely the kind of guy that would be willing to sacrifice others, but will cut and run at the first at the first chance of uh, trouble, which is fine. I mean, I, th- I think that definitely established him as someone who's very, he's very much looking out for himself. He wants his own, he wants power. And we see that again. He like, he wants the throne. He was willing to, uh, he wants the throne. He's willing to kill the princess to get it. And he's willing to go through very dark, uh, methods to get it with the soul snake and with the um i'm still entirely sure what happened with the mirror he trapped run on in a coin and he be- and he came out looking like a uh mummified evil bolt lightning thing i'm not entirely sure what that was about but it definitely like i you he def- he's definitely setting up as a big bad i would have liked a little bit more from him though to be perfectly honest like i didn't think we got enough scenes for for i don't think we got enough scenes to really establish him as this as this big bad evil final boss presence that I think the show is trying to draw it from. I am very interested in the character. I would like a bit more, a little bit more background, a little bit more time with him before I can really say that he's a great villain. I'm, I don't understand the show's intentions with Viren. I think, I think, um, I want, I want to get into this now. This is the narrative I think is for the most part pretty simple throughout the, the season and pretty, um, easy to understand, uh, pretty pleasant. Um, this is the one aspect which, uh, got either not necessarily convoluted, but just murky for me is like they're, mm. they're intent, they're intentionally hiding what's happening with Harrow and Viren and it's not working for me right now. Well, we know what happened with Harrow though, don't we? Uh, so, so the show is presenting <laughs> Harrow as being dead. Um, I certainly believe that he is inside the bird. Um, that's uh, if he's not dead, then how did the uh, first wristband fall off? I don't know. I don't know the wristband mythology, but um, the, well, this the, is... well, the, well, they established that the wristbands like there, there's two wristbands, one, and they only fall off when the mission is completed. Right. That's, so the, his body died. I guess that's his why. His body like, he's, died. Yeah, his, yeah. So he. That's that's what I took it as. Right. So this, I guess, in getting into theory time, I feel like this is not that much of a stretch with the theory, but like we get the snake that swaps people's souls that's presented, and then the snake doesn't swap anyone's souls. So like clearly, it's gonna do something. You don't just present that and then not not swap bodies. 
Um, and, uh, he has this bird, the king, King Hera has this bird that's really awesome design, by the way. Pip. And, uh, then there's a scene where Viren is like, talking to the bird briefly and it's not clear what's happening um i think it's like abundantly clear that king king harrow is now inside the bird and is not dead but he is is he's, he's i guess his body's dead um but that what okay so step one d- sarah did you also have that impression watching the show i was confused i was like when they went up in the first at the end of that episode where they, they apparently the king is dead i was like wait is he is he dead like does it actually happen and then the next episode like having his funeral or whatever and i was like wait okay so he is actually dead but no they had to do the soul switcheroo thing like that had to happen so uh, i don't know i don't know i think something's going on but i don't really know what yeah. Okay. April, a king inside the bird. Did you have that thought watching? No, I didn't okay, until so you gave it to me. Because yeah. <laughs> um. now I'm like, wait, that could totally be a thing. But then that wouldn't like that. Like if that's a thing, then like Viren would have known that, right? Right. Okay. That's part two. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. yeah John, so, John, do you agree why. that the the king's inside the bird? I didn't think. Yeah, I didn't think about that either. I didn't notice it, but I guess like. Just piecing it together. It, right. When you present it like that, the, the one giveaway is when Viren, there's a brief scene of Viren with the bird. And it's like, why is Viren talking to the bird? You know, like. Because doesn't is... he say something along the lines of like, what, na- like no love for me or something like that? And I was yeah, just so like. Something, this is I don't just... remember. But yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, okay. Like now that, now that I put out there. So the, step one, King's inside the bird. Okay. But here's the confusing <laughs> part. Did The question is, did uh, Viren cooperate with uh king harrow and is he cooperating with him now those these are like so that's when it gets confusing because uh viren's presented as this like purely evil guy throughout the he's like uh, he's he's trying to kill the princes he's like he's trying to take over the throne but viren um early on in the show as is is presented as like uh he's like the king's my brother he has the scene when he when he's talking to to king harrow and um like they have like this this conflict and like harrow's like you know you're my servant but then it like cuts off and we don't see the result of of their discussion um and uh so if, if if we're going by the king and the bird theory then that means that uh that uh and viren like came in with an idea and never presented it to him because he, he the king was like no like i hate you now um so he's uh he 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 never ended up like giving him his theory which is definitely i'm gonna put you inside the bird um that was definitely the theory and uh so we or or i don't know swap with him that was another uh, uh, that was another option um but it, so like yeah so like they're they must have gotten on the same page and i think probably king harrow consented to, to swapping into the bird but then it's like, is everything Viren doing now also the will of King Harrow? Because if so they King cooperated Hero before, his son's dead? right? So that doesn't make yeah. sense. That's the thing. So here's, so if you look at like, what is what is Viren doing? What are Viren's motivations? What is he doing that is overtly evil, other than just looking menacing? Like, what does he actually do <laughs> that's bad? Because I think it's possible that Viren is not actually a villain. That's that's kind of like the crazy theory is that Viren is not actually a bad guy. Like the the hardest thing to get past is that he tells the son to kill the princes. Like that's tough to get past. Other than that, I don't think there's a lot. Like he puts the elf guy, he puts Runin inside the coin. But it's possible Harrow would have also done that. Like Harrow was pretty anti-elf too. Um, like, Harrow was, like, was pretty like he's not. I guess. Harrow, 
Hera's not, not necessarily a good not guy. He's kind, right? I guess. Yeah. Like, because Hera's presented as like the reformed uh, bad person. Like Hera's like, I did, I did bad things in the past, but now I understand that they were wrong. And um, so like Hera, like Hera might not have done it to elves. Now he definitely would have in the past when he like uh, was part of the killing the dragon king. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he puts Ronan in the coin. He looks like a White Walker now at the end of the show. Um, I think that's the the, the that's the reference yeah. I was looking yeah. at. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not, not looking good. No, um, I guess that's the result of using dark magic. Um, but yeah, he doesn't necessarily do a lot. He assumes the throne, but it could just be a plan with with King Hero. So this is the part that's not working. Like all that's intriguing. Like this is the most exciting thing we've talked about. Like the, this is like the most exciting thing going on in the plot. But it's just it just it's just too confusing. Like there's nothing. Um, it's like on one hand, it's to, to me, it seems obvious that the king is the bird. On the other hand, I just don't understand this character in King Varen, and I feel like I'm not really given anything to understand him. The the bigger thing is that he's not really engaging. I think he's probably the worst character on the show so far. That's that's like the bigger problem. Um, whenever we cut to the castle, uh, the show got worse basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, the, no, that's that, that's that's a fair point because you left the main fair. you left the main action. Yeah, um, with the exception of when Amaya was there with, with Viren. I thought that was great, but, um, yeah, I just, I just don't care about him torturing Runin as much as what's going on with the main trio. Um, but yeah, I just, I just don't know if he's like, is well, he, is he, the mirror, like, the mirror, yeah, we never learn what's going, like, uh, Runin says the mirror is worse than death. We never know what that. So, like, this is very much part one. Like, I'm not, I'm not like saying those things are bad. Like, you can have cl- cliffhangers and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, so I guess the options with, with, with Viren are he's pure evil, like the show is ostensibly presenting. He's actually not a bad guy. Um, like he's just cooperating with King Harrow and maybe him telling Soren to kill the princes. Maybe he knows he won't go through with that. Maybe he's planning on telling him to not later. Um, maybe like we didn't see a part where a second part we told him, no, actually don't do that. Um, but then maybe the, the real answer is somewhere in the middle. Maybe he was cooperating with King Harrow, but now he's kind of gone on his own ambitions a little bit, but it's going to turn out that there's yeah. some sympathetic elements to him. Um, I, I yeah. really don't see how Viren is cooperating with King Harrow, though, because King Harrow was strongly against using dark magic to save his own life, and there was really no reason to think he would change his mind. Even so he could when, he could have yeah. trapped him in the bird against his will. That could have happened. He's definitely the king is definitely in the bird. Let me say that. I'm, uh, I, <laughs> I, I I know I know I, I, I seen the bird uh, since oh. the, like the one scene where he's talking, no, like Viren's talking to it. He's definitely in the bird. I'm I'm known to come out with uh, these these kind of crazy theories and shows of people being in, the, in other people. So this really fits with my this fits with my mo. But in, I'm in, telling in, you. Fair, in fairness, Dylan, this is his least crazy human inside animal theory, right? Because we see a thing that slaps people in things. So that's not yeah. It's, it's, it's presented <laughs> don't in the use show. It. We, don't, we don't use it. And the bird is like given specific emphasis. And also the other thing is that King Hera is like this like made presented as a major character. What are you just going to die right away? Like he's yes. all incredible design, and then um, he's he's like this really complicated presence. I guess I, I wonder how we get his body back. Like would he just be in the bird now? But anyway. No, um, that's what friends for. <gasps> right, well, ex- okay, that's how you connect it, right? Exactly. Now, Ezrin can talk to animals, so he can talk to Harrow and Sarah, <laughs> so now he would know. Oh, no. My mind has been blown. That's the, how it all ties together. Yeah, this is a real thing. I'm t- <laughs> okay, okay. Let, yeah, how about, how about we take a step back here and just talk about Viren as a character? Um, <laughs> Uh, April, agree or disagree with me that he's um, a weak point in the show? Um, I agree. I um, I it's funny because uh, 
I wasn't making these comparisons at first. And when I was watching the show with my husband, he was just like, April, he's just like Hawk Moth. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, he's not, how dare you? He's not achieved the levels of Hawk Moth yet. No, 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 no. He's like season one Hawk Moth, though. Okay. Because, like, he's not, he hasn't yet hit his ridiculous stride. And he's very much like a for, like, I say forced villain because we, we need to have a villain, right? And so our obvious choice is going to be Viren. Um, and you, they set it up nicely, like, why he has become the villain. Because he was trying to help the king. The king was like, no, I hate your advice. You are not my friend. Like, we're not friends. And so he's, like, the scorned, like, brother or whatever. And so he's very much like that. He's put into that forced villain role. Like, he's like, well, fine. If I'm not your brother, then I'm going to overthrow your, your throne. Like... I'm going to take over. I'm going to kill your sons, like all of these things. But then he like outside of that, like, and they only kind of give us like more, I guess, emphasis as to why he's evil. Like, Oh, he's going to like, he's not even really torturing the, the other, um, moon shadow elf. Uh, but he's just like, you're going to help me. And he's like, Nope. Okay, fine. I'll put you in this coin kind of situation. So it like, he's normal, normal situation. Normal. Yeah. Right. Like, Holy I'm just, I'm just going to put you in this coin, like, uh, which apparently is like terrible and makes him a monster. So again, they're like forcing that this is a very evil person kind of thing, even though like, you know, and and they started early on, too, with, like, uh, General Amaya and how he's like, you need to go back to the border. I'll let Gren, you know, lead the search party. And then he's like, haha, just kidding. I'm going to capture you instead. Like, it's very it's very forced for me, um, which is, again, why I'm like, oh, he's very like season one of Hawk Moth. He even has uh, magical butterflies. So, okay. <laughs> Can I add to this? We're, we're, we're referencing miracul- the show Miraculously, by the way. Y- yes, Sarah. Okay, the opening of, of the chapter, I, I literally wrote in my notes, OMG underscore, Viren is Hogmoth! Exclamation oh, no. point. Yep. <laughs> I have it in my notes, too. He's in a, a dark room with, with these butterflies, and he literally says... Good morning, my little rays of sunshine. A volunteer. How eager. And I was like, wow, that is just spot on. Could, could be something Aquamont said, yeah. The, uh, uh, having, having not watched Miracle's Ladybug, if I'm going to make a comparison, uh, Peter Baelish in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think I yeah. think that would be what he they're trying to do with him. Yeah, I think like a yeah. compl- like a schemey kind of complicated like um somewhat yeah. you know bad guy. That's, not, I think not completely evil, but definitely self centered. But uh, on the other hand, here's the other character I thought I thought of with Vera, and this is much less flattering. Is uh, Unalak from Book Two of Legend of Korra? I think Vera um, is very much in uh, Unalak territory here. Um, with almost everything he's he's kind of doing, including like tapping into dark magic, and I'm sure he's going to fuse with dark magic, and now he's like this amalgamation, just like uh, Vatu, and so um, just it just kind of his. Pre- oh, so he's like an, an uncle. He's like an uncle to them, who's like what they thought was nice, and now he's betraying them. It's like the exact same character. Not a good thing. Um, but uh, I, going back to why I thought this this murky 
territory with Viren is ultimately bad because it did bring up some exciting theorizing. I think the theorizing part is really good. Like the king inside the bird, like the amb- ambiguity, like all that I think is good. I think what doesn't work is like, I, I, like, because I, I identified watching early on Kings and the Bird, okay, I think Viren's like cooperating with him then. I, like now talking about it, I think probably he forced, he forced that to happen and he's just bad. Like maybe that's more likely. Um, but Viren throughout the season was doing all these bad things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yada, yada. I think he's, he's ultimately good. So he just, he kept, he's like, okay, put the, put, uh, put Runin in the mirror, uh, tell his son to kill him. I'm like, okay, yeah, but he's actually good. And that wasn't like, uh, that wasn't, I think, the intended viewing experience. So I feel like that got screwed up somewhere that, um, that, 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 that's a possible reaction to have to this character. Like, oh, uh, but I don't believe that these bad things he's doing are bad. Um, so I think there's, um, I, I, I hope, I hope to resolve this, uh, what we're doing with Viren soon. Um, regardless, I think he needs more of an interesting role in the show. The other aspect I wanted to say is that the, he's the villain of the season and he's not interacting with our heroes. That's a potential mm. pro. That's a, that's a, the interesting structural, like usually the villains like trying to track down the heroes, trying battling the heroes. Like none of that's happening. There's really no villainous force on the side of our, our hero group. Like eventually at the end of the season, Claudia and Soren are tracking them, but those are characters that are definitely sympathetic to us. Um, so it's, it's, and they don't even directly engage with them. The season ends with them finding them. So that's, it was an interesting choice to this season to not really have a villain. Like Varen's the villain, but he's not, um, in the traditional villain role here. And there's, it's also not even like in that sort of like big boss style format where it's like he is the main villain, but there's all these sub villains that link up to him that the, that the heroes have to meet either. We haven't seen that. Uh, we haven't seen that yet either. Yeah, yeah. Like in like um, in Avatar, the big villain was Fire Lord Ozai, but there was still Zuko, there was still Zula, there was still that guy with yeah, the Yeah, I, I, I guess it, I guess his children are supposed to be kind of the the sub villains, but um but yeah, they're not really sub villains. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they come across like that. Um yeah, so in, how the villain structure like moves forward in the show is going to be interesting to see. Also interesting to see when we get the um Harrow equals bird reveal as the <laughs> hot theory. <laughs> Got to be soon, right? Like we don't talk about it after like the middle episode anyway. i just uh i feel like they would give us more to suggest that we've only like <sighs> no he's definitely in the he's definitely <laughs> trust me on this one <laughs> he's definitely at the listeners at home mark it and if it comes alive in season three dylan will probably do a happy dance this, this, no yeah. this is the, this, is, this, I, I, this is a guaranteed i have zero percent chance he's not in the bird i'm telling you on this <sighs> Let's, I wonder what other things Dylan said was a zero percent chance was wasn't true. There is there is there is a Mysticon theory. I said zero percent chance didn't happen, and it did happen. So I'm, I'm I have a good hundred percent track record. Alain think diamond didn't work, but um, other than that, uh, we, we were, were okay. Anyway, let's let's talk about the let's move past the bird theory. We'll come back to this uh, when we when we get more. Um, we mentioned the animation. Um, this is a big uh, thing that got yes. discussed in the. <laughs> In the show preview, like a lot of okay. people's reaction to the trailer and stuff, like, oh, why does the animation look bad? Um, so <laughs> it, it has like a 3D cell shaded type style. Um, it's, it's, it goes, uh, it's static, it's static scenes, like the non action mm. scenes in the show are very mm. much, um, not, uh, fluid on purpose, right? Like they're going for maybe more of a comic booky thing. Like you can see the frames moving sometimes. Interestingly, the action scenes, I think, are very fluid. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting animation choice. You also should consider that there are budgetary constraints behind the show. This is from a new indie studio. Clearly they don't have a ton of money to put, to put into this. So, um, I think like consider when criticizing the show's animation, one, it might be a choice on purpose Two, not everyone has the same amount of resources. Like the show probably doesn't have as much resources as a Cartoon Network or Disney show. That being said, John, what was your reaction to the animation watching the season? Um, 
I'll I'll start with what I liked. Um, and Sarah mentioned this: the when they did the landscape shots, background shots, and sky shots, they were stunning. I mean, they really were. Um, like, and I, and I said this, I'd use the same adjective when I saw the backgrounds in over the garden wall, when I watched that, you could almost put, you could almost, they could be almost be paintings in a museum. They were that impressive. Like the just great color blending, beautiful scenery, um, the, using three, the, and they mentioned how they're using like a 3d style animation. It works there because you got a great sense of depth and perspective that really filled in so much. And they were able to put, communicate such a level of detail there. Uh, in the dra- when they had the prologue with the dragon, the big dragon, great detail again. It, the movement was re- the movement was really nice. He looked really like I love the details on the scales. He had great sense of great sense of sc- size and grandeur. When it got to the characters, and Dylan, you were right. I, I agree with you, Dylan, when you said like when it got to like sort of static movements, it was very choppy. It took a while to get used to. I think I even out loud said, "Wow, this animation sucks." Um, I, I, I get grew, it grows on you after a while though, but I think it's a bit, it's a bit like when you get a nice new computer PC game and you have to drop the res rate to make it fit your computer. Like it's, you know, it's going to be impressive, but it's like you, but it's like you have to almost scale it down and it comes out not looking really choppy. It looks really rough. I would like, it's definitely the animation style that suits its purpose in certain aspects like it suited like they wanted to create bigness they wanted to create size they succeeded in that i really wish that they maybe sped up the frame rate for even the static scenes because it really it it really helped it really didn't help me connect as much to the show in the beginning as i hoped it would it speed it up a little bit maybe even make it a little bit more 2d possibly the shading was a little bit off as well on some of the characters the lines were a bit too um I thought the lines were a bit too sharp with like under the eyes and, you know, when they're staring into the sun, it didn't, if they were going for a comic book theme, fine, but this is it. This is animation. This is a cartoon. It has to look like a cartoon. I really hope they tighten that up a little bit because if they tighten that up, this could be really one of the most beautifully animated shows maybe in the last 20 years. All right. So yeah, you, you certainly like had a jarring reaction to it, especially at first. Uh, I think it's what I think that's what a lot of people are are having with that. Um, there's there's other shows, by the way, that have that have similar like uh, not as much movement styles. You know, it's we're we're typically I want, something I want to emphasize is just because something looks different than how we expect, it doesn't mean it looks bad. I think I think a lot of um, people react to things badly just because we have a very homogenized view of the way a sh- uh, an animated show look now should look nowadays. Um, it's kind of Disney, Cartoon Network, Nick, all them, all them have similar styles. A lot of, at least a lot of shows do. So when you get a show like this, we had, we had a similar reaction to, uh, Mysticons, another show we've covered. Um, Uh, people are like, uh, the animation, it's, it's so bad. Um, and like, look, it might, it might, it might be that it, it could be improved, but, um, also consider different, different animation styles. Well, I don't, I don't mind the fact that they're experimenting. In fact, I like the fact that they're uh, playing with different styles. I mean, Last Airbender was a completely different style than any other Nick show. And I thought that was, and I thought that was a complete success. But if you're going to experiment, you're going to experiment, it needs to have like purpose place. And also it has to look clean. And then, and then I think it could be judged more. Cause like, it really felt like almost like a technical fault rather than an actual, this didn't like, this didn't look like this didn't look proper for the purpose type thing. Well, I think it's funny that you bring up like a technical fault, um, which I, I guess if I'm going to jump in, um, I it's funny because with the whole frame rate thing, I didn't think that it was the show that was having the problem. I thought it was like 
me streaming it. And so I, yeah, even, I there was even, a, so I like went into it and like, cause again, I, I was watching it with my husband and I was going in and messing with the settings on like the TV and like in Netflix and everything like that. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying to fix this because it seems to get like really jaggedy. And I know like, it's not the show. And he's like, no, April, I think that's a stylized choice. And I was like, Oh, you and your words of wisdom, like you beautiful man. But also like, like it, it like, hit me, like yeah, right. Like it hit me in the face too. Cause I was just like, cause I, I like, I didn't think it was the show that was having that problem. I thought it was like, m- like me externally. And so I was trying to like fix it. And he's like, no, April, they're choosing to do it that way. And I was like, oh, you're right. Like, and again, it, it, it um, not at any point did I ever think that it was bad animation. I was just like, oh, okay, like that makes sense then. Cause even he was like, oh, it looks like kind of comic booky and all of this stuff. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. Like I see that now. And like I'm, I'm understanding that. And so I think if you understand that it's like a stylized choice and you just kind of like, get yourself used to it um then it doesn't necessarily subtract because i agree like the scenes were beautiful i liked um you know how the characters looked and how they sort of played into like the the beautiful backgrounds it didn't ever like take away or subtract from it but again that whole frame rate thing like i thought it was me and not the show (laughs) right well yeah it's good it's a netflix show (laughs) netflix sometimes does the downgrading quality thing if your internet connection isn't Mm -hmm. as good right yeah it's it's i i i can see what you're saying for sure um yeah Sarah, sarah briefly the animation jarring to you at all Honestly, like, you know, when we first saw like the teaser trailer, I was like, oh, this is different. Um, and that, but then when I watched the first episode at the, at the panel, I was like, oh, like, I, I like this. Like, it's different, but it doesn't bother me. Um, and there were times where it was like a little more jagged than it would have liked. But overall, it really didn't bother me. And I thought, I, I thought honestly, like I said before, it's a really beautiful looking show. Yeah, yeah, the 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 backgrounds are uh, stunning. Um, everything like the 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 objects, any objects in the foreground, everything like looks really great. The character models are really great. Um, it it does it does take getting used to the the kind of uh, choppiness or lack of fluidity in some of these static scenes. I guess I would prefer that they don't do it. Um, like clearly, like we're capable of doing it more because the action scenes are very fluid. I do think it lessens as the season goes. I'm not sure if it's because you get used to it or because uh, it just it just um, like in general the animation gets better as it goes on. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think it just it it, it shouldn't. I think it, the the standing out even for um people like as as are getting used to it um like or maybe just like lessen the the uh the lack of fluidity a little bit and and bring it together because it's it's a little bit jarring compared to some of the action sequences versus some of the static sequences um but overall now i don't think it ended up being really an issue and that was like a big disgust thing um with the show like um by by those like the main thing people reacting to with the trailer and i think like ultimately like uh show looks great um music uh, i think this was like a very epic fantasy score mixed with an avatar type score mm. um i think it sounded a lot like avatar at points um and in general i think the show is not just a show by Aaron Eyes and john claire volpe it is a show that is trying to be 
uh, Avatar, or at least Avatar's aesthetic to a large extent, which is not a bad thing. I mean, Avatar is one of the greatest shows ever. So, um, but this is, you know, you have the, I feel like, I don't know if it's specifically Sungi Horn, but things sounding like that at various points. Um, and, uh, the title card, I mean, you have book, chapter, and then also like the specific sound over the title card. It was almost an exact Avatar clone. I think that part, um, you know, definitely, definitely stands out as an Avatar E type, uh, type show. Um, April, how about the music in general or just in its relation to Avatar? Um, music was great. Uh, was it all original? Because like, I think, I think so. I, Cause it sounded, cause it, it, it was nice because it, none of the music ever fell out of place. I thought that it very much enhanced what was going on in each scene. Um, I, I liked it. And I, as you know, you may know, like music is always a big thing for me. And so if it's like really, like, it, I, I guess it was very, like, middle of the road for me because it didn't take away from anything. But I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, this is the best music ever for a TV show. Um, and I agree that it it's it's very, like, Avatar reminiscent um, and times. Um, though I haven't watched Avatar in, like, a, what feels like a million years. So I couldn't. How, do, how dare you? <laughs> I didn't prepare properly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but no like um i definitely like get that feeling that it's trying to like it's trying to be like avatar was um and i i, I guess to reiterate the music was like it, it was totally fine with me i thought it was very nice at times and just sort of um again enhanced but didn't take away nice sarah i thought the music in this in this first season was incredible. I, I really loved it. Um, I like after like the, listening uh, to it in like the first episode, I was like, wow, this is so great. And then just throughout, I thought, I thought it added so much. I thought it really made the emotional scenes that much more powerful. Um, I, I, I really love, you know, sweeping grandiose orchestral music. So like, this is like totally my jam. Um, and in terms of the comparison to Avatar, I would say like, it is very similar and they definitely, I don't really know what the instrument is called that they use, but there is definitely an instrument written there. That's like, like they definitely heavily used in Avatar that they use pretty frequently in this series as well. Yeah. Or at least, at least it sounds like that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a similar one at least. Yeah. John? It fit really well, and I and I and I agree on the Avatar comparisons. Like it was, I mean, it and again, I I brought I brought up already the sense of bigness that the show wants to go for, um, and the music really did complement that. It worked with the action scenes, worked with some of those small, worked with some of the smaller scenes as well. Um, although I must admit, I like I I know like we talked about the title cards already though. When I saw that, when I saw the, heard the music with the title card, my first thought was. This is, I mean, I thought about this when I saw Last Airbender when they did the title cards and that early music, and it's still the same way. It's still pretty brave to come out with just say, this is book one. It's like, we're definitely making more books. We know we're going to get, uh, uh, we're, we know we're going to get extra seasons, so we're going to go. So I was like, wow, they are really banking on this being popular, aren't popular enough to actually, you know, have more than, more than one season. So, I still think it's a. I still think it's a pretty uh, ballsy choice, but but I think yeah. Book, book one would imply book two. I agree. We have not. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like you, well, you say this. This book one, you there's no. I don't know if there's even a guarantee that you're going to get a book two. So there yeah. isn't. But, but, it's ballsy. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, um, we'll see when it's coming. But again, like music, music worked really well. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the, the, fa- speaking of book one moon, talk about the fantasy mythology briefly. We're running long here, but, um, you got the six sources of magic, sun, moon, stars, earth, sky, ocean, 
uh, you know, six versus four in Avatar, and uh, we got more of like a <laughs> celestial, uh, I guess, element uh, to, to the magic sources. Moon is our our book one here. Um, you get the the primal stone that uh, that uh, Callum had, and uh, dark magic, the seventh source. That cube with different runes on it, corresponding to the primal sources of magic. Um, any any theories on the cube? It li- start it lights up at different points. Clearly, that's going to be a thing. Um, I guess it, yeah. it's been helpful so far. Um, though, hasn't been, it hasn't done anything. I don't think it hasn't, it hasn't really done anything, but it, I always, um, like I thought it was interesting, especially cause, uh, it started glowing when they were on the, um, on the lake or whatever that was. And then it started glowing the, the ocean one. And I was like, Oh, they're going to have a monster. So I thought that was kind of helpful though. I guess they're kind of dumb in their application as to the, the usefulness of the cube. Um, cause they were just like, why is the ocean one glowing? And I'm like, well, duh, there's clearly a magical something nearby. That, that's that's true. <laughs> I forgot about the, the monster thing that, that came across like the cube, like is able to identify like magic threats, but it's not explicit with like that application. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe they'll get they'll get good about it and then like they'll understand I guess the usefulness of the cube. Um and it may like uh what is it? It with the um like the six magical what are they called again? You've literally the source, just the sources, sources of magic. Sources yeah. of, magic, of magic. The primal. So I think it's uh it's interesting that book one is moon. So does that mean that and I guess the immediate threat was the moon elves. So does that mean that we're gonna encounter in book two if we have it, um, a different sort of um source that is going to be like problematic for our heroes like maybe the next one's the sun or the next one is yeah, it's un- unclear why it was called moon to a certain extent yeah the the, the moon elves i feel like that was the the clearest uh it, maybe it is a threat thing because i feel like sky or uh yeah sky was the one that was most relevant in terms of what callum was casting magically he had the storm um primal stone and that's like had the sky magic inside of it so he cast the wind and the, the lightning those are so i don't know um and they also just, had the moon nexus so at the end right and yeah. there's the moon nexus who know that's another thing that's unclear what that means um lujane at the end is the uh guardian of the moon nexus i was not clear what the moon nexus was nope they didn't explain that <laughs> no. yeah. this is, is this a point where we meet the moon she like kind of comes out of the moon i don't know we're just gonna um, accept it okay <laughs> yeah so yeah there's the different magic sources zadia we're, we're going to zadia to return the egg but then the egg hatches so i guess we're still probably gonna go to zadia to try to return the baby dragon um and then uh there's the human kingdoms in the west the zadia in the east and catalus is the one where um the the people we know are from but i guess there's a bunch of other human kingdoms and then there's also dragons and thunder's dead but then we have this new baby dragon at the end um the dragon prince the titular dragon prince is the is the the this little uh, cute storm dragon azimandias aka zim um sarah was your were you surprised that the egg hatched at the end of the season what was your reaction to zim yeah, I definitely, um, I mean, I wasn't trying to predict what was going to happen, so I didn't see it coming that, oh yeah, the egg is going to hatch, but I, I really loved little Zim the dragon. I thought it was adorable, and I thought I thought the scene with the egg hatching, I thought that was just so incredible. Like, I really thought, like, you know, the colors and the music, and it was such a powerful scene, I felt, and I, so I really loved that, and then this adorable baby dragon comes out, and I'm just like, wow, um, I've just met you, and I love you, um, and yeah. 
Yeah, it's that I think that was definitely like the most uh gorgeous scene of the show like that that I catching that was spectacular. Yeah, April. Um their thoughts on Zim and uh the, the everything with the dragon prince. Yeah, I did not think that the egg was going to end up hatching. I like it, I didn't even suspect it. Like I figured like the season would end or the way that they were sort of setting it up was that like, oh yeah, we're going to take it to the top of the mountain and then the healer lady is going to heal it. And then our heroes and maybe we'll run into like another like big kind of battle, which I guess I thought was going to be with the, the giant or the illusioned spider um, or the fake spider. But then like we ended up hatching the egg and I was like, all right, then this is what we're doing. And again, I had the very same thoughts of like, are we going to continue to Zadia or are we just going to like go home and take care of the, the dragon um, dragon? Very cute. Um, I agree with Sarah. That scene was gorgeous. It was the prettiest scene of the entire um, season when the egg was hatching. Um, the colors were just like spectacular. It was very like mesmerizing. Um, I really enjoyed that. Rayla was the person who was, I guess like, helping it become hatched. Um, I thought that was like a very, um, like very defining moment for her. Um, and it also like sort of bonded with her too, a little bit. I mean, it kind of seems like it bonded with everyone, but it seemed in my opinion, it bonded with Rayla just a little bit more. And it may have been because she was the person to sort of be holding the egg. Like I'm going to let you hatch kind of situation. Um, and then for it to take the ribbon off of her, like of all the things who knew that the dragon would be the one to take the ribbon off. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, um, not definitely not what I expected at all. Like I was very, very surprised by that. Yeah, um, John, any reaction to the end of the the episode nine? The dragon's freaking adorable. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where's that flush? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that'd be a spoiler. But yeah, we need a zim flush. That's the next thing for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I'm surprised if they're not. I'd be surprised if they're not making it already either. But uh, I I actually. I thought it was pretty. I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good ending. And although I, I did want to say, I wanted to say this a little bit earlier, but I think the fact that Ellis was there with the dragon hatching and was there at the end of the season, I think that means she is going to be a character for the long haul because you wouldn't have her there at that big moment unless you're, and then just like drop her off back at home in like episode two of the next season. The one thing that I was a little niffed about, I, I think is the right word was when they said, this dragon has to hatch be- to save it. And I was like, okay. They said, but it can only hatch in the eye of a storm, and it's clear for miles. F- my first thought was, oh, good. He has the primal stone. It's That's a sky. <laughs> right. And, and I thought about it right away, and I'm like, like, oh, and they're having all these moments where it's like, it's my fault. The dragon's the I'm just, I'm actually thinking to myself, Break your stone! Break the stone! Smash the stone! Throw it! Okay, on. that's 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 interesting because you definitely think of like him having the stone, but I thought he was just gonna like cast lightning. Like, so I was like, okay, well, would that be enough? Like, he just cast the lightning, but I didn't think of breaking the stone. Yeah, like, I mean, it's kind of like a... well, well, they said like you know, there's a sky, there's a sky storm in the stone, and uh, but but I don't know. It's like I don't. I think maybe it's just for me. It's like they were trying to build as this like hopeless moment saved at the end by a great idea, but it's like. You knew what the idea was going to be from the get-go. I mean, it was just a bit... It was like... It took a minute to realize what I thought was kind of obvious. But maybe that was just because I was watching it straight through. Maybe it's me. If you watched it spread out over a certain period of time, it wouldn't... It maybe wouldn't jump out as much to you. But I don't know. It's like, just for me, it was like... This this has an obvious resolution. Just get, just get to that. 
It definitely, definitely feels like a moment where you can at least try something with magic, like even if it's not, even if you don't identify, like what well, just crack the crack the thing, um, which I think it's not obvious that like a storm would come out of that thing. But I, I just, um, I just it's like we have magic, like do something magic. They didn't even try to use magic. Yeah. That's the funniest part. Like the the most frustrating part is like because in my head, because I was just like, oh, we have the the primal stone, that's perfect, and I had the exact same thought as John, but then we didn't like, and I was like, all right, so like. We'll we'll try casting just a couple of lightning spells to see what happens and 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 no we were just sitting there having the pity party like this is my fault and I was like no you guys aren't even doing anything like come on now use your noodle yeah yeah that, overall though I think it was it was pretty fantastic at the end there um yeah well a favorite any five five seconds any like episodes that stand out um among the, like it's a binge so it's hard to tell nine i think was was that one that stood out to everyone with people are saying they love that scene with the dragon yeah yeah i also uh sorry april go ahead no you're fine i was okay say. okay okay um i would say the other thing about episode nine that i really loved was the, the scene about the the wolf um, and like the sort of the healer that's not actually a healer and everything yeah, they did fantastic. there. I don't know if we have time to go into that. I'll get into that in a, no, in a second. Yeah. John, any favorite episode? Uh, the one where Rail is pretending to be a human. I, I was, that was the, that was the funniest episode for me. And it was just so great. It was just, it was just hilarious. That whole, that whole scene, that whole episode. Yeah. Seven. That's, that's, that's my best episode of the season for by kind of by a lot is seven. And I think that's like the most complete um episode we have like the the b plot doesn't involve viren which is good it's claudian soren and then uh it's it's a, like a great rail of things going on in the a plot also that seven just gives like it's it's like oh man i'm in an rpg and we're visiting like this snow town and i'm interacting with npcs here. <laughs> it's like this is like what the show is it's gonna have a video game tie-in and it's gonna have a direct video game like equivalent like this this feels like what the show is trying to be like i think that was like the maybe the most successful element of that but there's like great parts of eight and nine too love them talking to each other in eight love the ending of nine and the wolf scene also in so I feel like I feel like we just got there in seven to nine with that entire arc in a way we hadn't before. Although like five is really good too. Like there there's still yeah. some, some good ones earlier. I really um, like okay. six also. Yeah, with the all the ice stuff. With the ice um, stuff, I thought that was yeah. really great. Yeah, it, I think it gets better as it goes on, which is a good sign. Yeah, last thing I want to get into is diversity in the show. Um, I think we can talk about the the wolf stuff and everything mm. regarding here. Um, because uh, I think there's in cer- certain ways the show is like really diverse. And by the way, we're just also just a podcast that frequently talks about representation and diversity. So like, of course, when you get into this a little bit, but um, the show gets into uh, has has interesting uh like presentations diversity in ways I think that we have not really seen uh frequently from other shows, specifically disabled characters. I think the show. Is is, is uh, like really good at portraying General Amaya. We've talked about um, just this really prominent deaf character, and we see her signing frequently, and um, that scene of her signing to the statue. And uh, I think I think it's just like an excellent portrayal of of, of a deaf person, and uh, like something that we don't really see in in any shows we cover. So I think that's really excellent. And the and the, um, and the wolf with the third with the missing leg. And the and, yeah. and the wolf, I think, is an, that was like the most interesting narrative thing we did the entire season was. Okay, we healed the the wolf lost leg. We we healed the leg, but no, it wasn't. Uh, it was just an illusion. Um, and uh, just this this line: she never needed that fourth leg to be happy. Everyone else did. Like it was like for yeah. humans, like because humans like discriminate against uh, like anything that's not normal and able bodied. Um, that's just really powerful. Probably, I think maybe the most powerful thing the show did uh, the entire season. Um, yeah, I think it just. Just really comes across like really excellent messages about um, uh, acceptance of, of disabilities um, in the season. 
Uh, the other, I think the other prominent diversity thing we see is we see multiple prominent black characters in the show. Um, yes. I really yeah. liked that. Um, you know, especially cause like, uh, Harrow was, you know, um, was black. And I don't know. It's also one of those things where, like, I love it whenever it's not, like, called into question either. It's just, like, something that exists kind of thing. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have, uh, yeah, you have um, uh, uh, Ezrin being a prominent black character as well. Then you have uh, the, the assassin they send after them. You have Lou Jane. Mm-hmm. Like, there's 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 a bunch. Uh, and, and I also think they're trying to, like, there's the statement that, um, Aaron put out on, uh, Aaron Ehas, co-creator put out on Twitter about diversity in, in the show. And he says, like, they're trying to make, like, a non-typical, like, white, uh, like, super white, uh, fantasy show. Like, a lot of fantasy shows just have all these white characters. And I think that shows in, like, the amount of black people. I'm not, um, a lot of, a lot of characters I feel like are supposed to be people of color. And it's, um, and just, like, uh, it's not really, I think they, they going for the thing April said where they're not calling it into question, but at the same time, like, I'm not sure, like, uh, what, what we're going for here. A lot of people are like light skinned and it's a little bit hard to tell um so it's it's it still maybe comes across a little bit white the the surrounding world that they have um but at the very least we have a lot of uh, characters like that also supposedly on twitter um callum um i saw this on uh, on aaron's twitter is supposed to be mixed race as well um uh, which, huh? yeah, but, yeah. um Oh. Yeah, I, w- I don't really understand what the, uh, yeah, and I'm what it says it on Aaron's Twitter. Um, uh, their half brothers, Calum is Harrow's stepson. Um, sounds like, um, just, uh, blah, blah, blah. There's more story to tell. Queen Sarai. Um, yeah, so. I, I was, uh, I thought the idea was that, um, Calum and Ezrin have the same mom, but the dad was different. That's what I understood. Right. So as I well. think that implies that the, the mom is, is, uh, not white. Or that, it's a little bit confusing, though. Well, we only uh, but see we her in statue form, though. Right, so we don't yeah. know anything about her. So, yeah. You did, miss, you did miss one other example of diverse representation. Uh, Commander Gren was incredibly ginger. Uh, yeah, ginger, ginger <laughs> representation. With the, with the freckle stripe going across his face. Uh, yeah. Was he positive ginger representation? Since uh, was the, He was like the, the, the interpreter, right? And he was, ended up he being kind of dumb. He wasn't incompetent, so. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I mean, he did his uh, job. He was a good interpreter. I mean, he did. He nailed that part of the job. And going back to Aaron's uh, statement on Twitter, he mentions uh, LGBTQ uh, characters, and basically, basically what he's saying is that um, some d- diversity is going to come through right away. Some will take time. So what he's saying is that there's uh, gay characters that are not yet presented as gay in the show. So we'll be I'm on the lookout so for that to come. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not I'm not crazy about this type of thing where it's like, oh, they're gay, but we don't need to point that they're gay because gay people are still also gay in the first season of show. <laughs> like they're still yeah. like, even, like if Claudia is gay, like that's like Claudia or Soren could be like they have no romantic inclination shown. So uh, most characters don't, by the way, there's very little romance in the show. But um, like if if they, if they are, then uh, they'd still be like in, <laughs> unless it's like a, a discovering themselves arc, then that's that's something that could be written into the narrative. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see how this how this plays out here. Um, yeah, in, ter- in terms of, uh, shipping, we only get, uh, Callum crushing on Claudia in the beginning of the show. Yeah. And then other than that, I feel like we are probably doing Callum and Rayla. Um, but it's not clear, I guess. It's not like something that's like clearly we're doing that. It's like, it's but, not, it's not, cl- it's not clear, but it, you feel like at the same time, you just sort of go, you sort of go back a little bit to when you've had stories like this before. It's like, Okay, so they're two of the same age. They're constantly good. Right, it would be, it's the expe- it's definitely the expectation, at the very least, yeah, that, that we do Callum and Rayla. I think there's a few scenes where they're like looking at each other and you're like, hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm fine with it, I guess. I, I like both of those characters. And then, um, if Ellis is part of the, the party mentioned Ellis and Ezra and I'm of the same age, <laughs> that, that could be a thing. Um, Fate yeah, and Zim? It, 
Uh, bait and Zim, yes. The, the, the dragon toad. <laughs> dragon, dragon toad. Yeah, dragon that toad. licks the eyes open. That's true love, right? <laughs> yes. Obviously. Okay, so there we go. Uh, went very long here, but there's a lot to talk about with the season. Uh, about this, about anything else, final thoughts, April? Um, can I ship Claudia and Rayla just because? <laughs> right? That would be the best one. Exactly. Right. So, um, final thoughts. Um, I feel like we're getting a season two, so I'm curious what we're going to decide to do with it. Um, will we have a more defined villain? Will Viren's, um, I guess motives become more like, is he good? Is he bad? What I like, what are we doing? Where are we going? That's what I want to know. So it it also, I don't, uh, what is it? I like, it's kind of obvious that we're going to get a second season, but I don't like whenever like a first season ends. Um, and it's with the expectation of a second season, because if we don't get a second season, then like the ending for this is terrible. <laughs> But. This is a dragon hatch. That's nice. I guess that's nice. But the- <laughs> yeah. Okay, John. Uh solid start. Uh it's not it's not Avatar. I'm just gonna throw that throw that out there. But you know what? Fun show. Tidy up the animation a little bit. And yeah, I, I definitely look forward I definitely look forward to any future seasons the show comes up. Nice, Sarah. Yeah, I really enjoyed this overall, and I'm really looking forward to seeing more um, and getting to know the characters more. Uh, yeah, seeing where it goes. All right, Sarah. At the panel, you asked, um, <laughs> "How do you asked how big is Dragon?" Is that what you asked? I, okay, this is what I asked. I was I was really hoping that they would put up the video from the panel because I thought they said they were gonna, um, so you could have actually seen what happened. I asked. I, I said my question has two parts. First part is how many episodes are there in season oh, one? That's the, bo- that's the boring part. And the second part is how big is Dragon? Okay, how big is Dragon? The answer is small. Dragon is actually small at the end with Zim. <laughs> That's the biggest plot twist, right? Dragon Small. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, yes. Very, very happy with season one of Dragon Frontier. Very excited to see more from the show. We'll see when we get. Uh, no word yet, but we'll see when we get this uh, on Netflix. Um, and yeah, let us know what you thought of season one of Dragon Prince in the comments at overlyanimated.com. You click on the article on our YouTube if you're watching the video there. Um, you can also come talk about the show with us on our Discord, overlyanimated.com slash Discord. We have a Dragon Prince uh, channel up there uh, as well. Um, and support, consider supporting us via Patreon, patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thank you very much to all of our patrons, especially our patrons of the podcast, Connie, aka Veronica Kukumanga. And thanks as always to our patron executive producers John Ryan, Steve, Alex, and Hugh. Um, check out a uh, busy, busy weekend here with BoJack Season 5 also being released. You can check out the um, the season recap podcast uh, on that as well at OverlyAnimated.com including a bunch of other stuff on various other animated shows as well. So yeah, been a, lot, a lot we got into here. Thanks guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye! 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 Take care!